It is a welcome in Wednesday. Hope your Wednesday's going along well. We got a special treat in studio today. OU Insider is here again, and today we have uh, their great writer, reporter, and you see him on the podcast as well. The one, the only Jesse Crittenden. Jesse, how you doing today? You doing all right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good to be here. I appreciate you asking, and and uh, it's big shoes to to try to fill in for Parker. Um, but I'm gonna, uh, but I'm gonna do my best. Uh, only complaint really is it's so hot outside. It's oh crazy my gosh. how hot it's it is. It's ridiculous, man. It is totally ridiculous. Uh, I think downstairs we have two air conditioning units. One's pretty big, and then one uh, cools down the upstairs at our place. And we've got to keep it on like uh, 70 degrees just to keep it at like 77 degrees in the down because that AC is working so hard right now. By the way, if your AC is being overworked, ladies and gentlemen, you talk about a steely segue, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. That is 405-579-3113 because you're, uh, if you want to compare your air conditioning unit to a pitcher, it's like one of those pitchers back in the old days that used to throw like they went – Extra innings, that pitcher would throw like 18 innings or whatever. That's what your air conditioner is doing every day right now. Uh, the arm's got to be wearing down a little bit, but you can get it tuned up. Last year, Home Comfort Systems will get it done for you, 405-579-3113. Jesse has been out at uh, all the practices, all of the media sessions. We've got a lot of insight here to get from Jesse throughout uh, the next two hours. But I want to start uh, talking about recruiting because it is David Stone making his commitment Saturday night. I created a little musical open for you. Yes, it is the uh, David Stone Saturday Night Special. Ah, yes. We have the Bay City Rollers. We have ELO, some guy singing David, David, David. I'm not sure who that is. We also work a little Queen in there and some Bob Dylan. I told Josh Helmer that that will be up for a Grammy Award. I will be glad to accept if I make it to the Grammy ceremony. You know, I'm I'm up at the 60s. Let's play that one more time because there was a lot of work in editing that went into that. So one more time. David Stone's Commitment Ceremony, Saturday night, the David Stone Saturday Night Special. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what I used to boogie to, right? Because old people used to boogie. I'm just telling you, we didn't dance, we boogied, or we cut a rug. I'm not sure what that means, but we also cut a rug back in the day. So, Jesse, this David Stone thing, after what happened with DJ Hicks last year, after what happened with Williams Winery, even though the door is not 100% shut in that situation, I don't think, but this David Stone commitment Saturday, it feels like it's either going to be the greatest day ever Monday for the, uh, well, you know, you've got to get through the weekend, but when we get back on the air Monday, it'll be 
a cool in the gang celebration, or it is going to be like we're going to have to play Darth Vader's theme. You know, when we open the show, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't blame any Oklahoma fans who feel a little traumatized, uh, you know, after w- Winery and DJ Hicks. And I think the thing that makes this tough again is how how you know, the the whole thing with David Stone. The recruitment's been back and forth. There's mixed signals. OU's, I think, been the favorite for a while, but I don't know if that's enough to feel confident given how much recruiting has changed the last few months, really the last couple of years. And also, David Stone fits a need this OU team desperately needs oh, on the big defensive time. line. So, I mean, getting him changes the 24 class, changes you know the the Venables defense and tenure it changes everything they need guys like this not only just in general but to contend in the sec they need guys like david stone david stone has been that one guy that when you think about oklahoma transitioning to the sec you point your finger at him we need that guy he's an oklahoma kid yes he's at img academy all of that stuff but you feel like this is the kind of guy this is the kind of kid that we have to get to get to where we want to go and where we want to be in the SEC, which is up near the top. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, when you look at last year, where was the big problems, you know, for OU in the midst of a 6-7 and seven season? It was that defensive line. It was not only a lack of depth, but a lack of true playmakers there. Now, I think they will be better this year in that regard, but the reality is you need a line full of David Stones. That's what the true contenders have. Alabama, Georgia, they have, guy, they have a line full of guys like that. And I think getting David Stone in a lot of ways is the first step. So I think that puts a lot of pressure on Oklahoma uh, to, to get this thing on Saturday. No doubt. And uh, we are thinking, again, it's going to be uh, 6 p.m., I believe, Oklahoma time, when the announcement comes down on Saturday night from David Stone, the five-star interior defensive lineman out of Dell City playing at IMG Academy out in Florida. Let's hear what Steve Wiltfong said yesterday about the very latest on David Stone, and he still thinks that Oklahoma's in pretty good shape. He's told me in the past he has a really good relationship with Todd Bates. Uh he likes the trajectory of this program under Brent Venables and the experience that this, this defensive staff has. He says that they have the experience to win national championships. I think he likes the way that they've recruited at Oklahoma. And so it's a program that uh, has been a crystal ball favorite for a long time going into this announcement. Now, Michigan State has had momentum at various points in this recruitment, went to two games there in the fall, talked to a source around East Lansing on Monday morning, and they feel like they're still in the thick of it for David Stone and then certainly Miami, the wild card, right? They've had him on campus several times this calendar year already. They're a program that uh, he said at IMG Media Day that Miami's his family's favorite place to be. He talks to that coaching staff every day. There's probably not a program recruiting him harder. Miami has tried to put a major emphasis on defensive line recruiting this cycle, they've had some good wins. Elias Rudolph flipping him from Michigan most recently, but David Stone would be a monster one here for Miami down the stretch. So to sum it all up, I like Oklahoma, but I still can't really rule out Miami or Michigan State here at the start of the week. There you go. All right, Steve Wilfong talking yesterday. Now, you've, you've heard some of those, uh, you know, I don't know if you call it rumor speculation, but a lot of people will tell you they do think that David Stone's mom wants to be out there in Florida. Miami. Now, Miami, if you want to deal with Colombian drug lords and, uh, you know, a modern day like a Sodom and Gomorrah situation, you want to be in Miami, right? I mean, what what kind of family values are in Miami, Florida? Zero. 
I don't understand that. But, you know, I, I mean, look, the weather could be good. You have to deal with some hurricanes. I get it. It's it's a fun place to go visit, but living there, I don't know. But we'll see. Here's what it feels though like. Jesse Critton is with us from OU Insider. Um, you know, in the uh, DJ Hicks situation last year, it felt like Oklahoma got beat by NIL. Um, and then in the Williams-Winery situation, Missouri, because of the special law they passed, because they're they're doing a product placement also with these guys. It's not like, you know, Missouri is paying him. Uh, when he when he starts his high school season with that special deal, they they've got again companies that are letting them endorse products. There are other ways to pay these kids, and they've been pretty creative about it. But it, again, feels like Oklahoma got beat with NIL. We know that OU's doing collectives. We know they're trying to do it the right way. We know they do have NIL money, and they are offering NIL money. Now it may not be A and M or Miami or Texas or Oregon, but it feels like again. If they lose David Stone, it would be more about an NIL situation uh, than a relationship situation. Yet people are going to blame Todd Bates if this doesn't go well Saturday. And it feels like Todd Bates may be thinking, man, what, what, what am I supposed to do? I'm building a relationship with this kid. We're offering you know, NIL opportunities as well. But you know, if, if it's the money that gets you beat, I almost feel bad for the guy. Because if David Stone doesn't commit – Saturday night, he is going to be lambasted, raked over the coals on the text line. Yeah, here's the, here's the tough needle that I think this Oklahoma coaching staff is trying to thread. It's trying to recognize that NIL, understandably, is playing a huge part in recruiting now. And if you're a 17-year-old kid and you're, you're getting all these D1 offers, you're trying to think about your family. Your family also wants to have their say, right? And you've got to think about location and pedigree and your relationships, all that stuff. But I think the, the tough needle they're trying to thread is how do we stay competitive and change to a recruiting atmosphere that's adapting but I think it's pretty clear this coaching staff doesn't want NIL to be the only pitch. They want guys that want to be here and also offer an NIL package. It's almost culture versus cash in some ways. And again, like the Sooners, they have cash as well, but they really want to make sure they protect their culture over anything else. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And you've got to think about, yeah. And think about chemistry. I mean, chemistry plays such a huge part of football and, you know, getting, getting these five stars in. Yeah. You can offer them all the money in the world, but what are the other guys on the team going to think when, you know, they haven't played a snap that five star comes in, hasn't played a snap and they're making a ton of NIL money compared to everybody else. So, um, and Brent Venables has said time and time again, he values not only culture, but uh, I mean, I think he wants guys that want to be here. He yeah, wants guys that right. want to be in Norman while also acknowledging NIL is an important part of recruitment. So this is a really tough needle I think this coaching staff's trying to throw. No doubt about it. Well said. Less in uh, Hayes, Kansas. Steely gets the Grammy if that wins over Stone for OU and gets the uh, commitment on Saturday. It's A-Track Boogie Day, says Captain Willard. Uh, there was a Michigan State insider who uh, did put in a prediction for David Stone to Oklahoma today. There was an Ohio State insider. I don't know why he had Ohio State uh, pick for David Stone, but also flipped his pick to David Stone to Oklahoma. I think that Oklahoma's going to get David Stone Saturday. But you know what? We played the clip yesterday on the show from, again, Steve Wilfong. Oklahoma's really in good shape for DJ Hicks. And then, boom, they all of a sudden, you know, 30 minutes before the decision, uh-oh. Is it going well? It's going to be A&M. So we'll see what happens Saturday night. All right, 405-651-3439 on the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, we got our man Connor Pasby, man in the uh, text line for us, the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Jesse Crittenden in with us today 
OU Insider, formerly of the Norman Transcript, does a great job, has a ton of insight. We'll see what he has to say about some things that have stood out to him at the Sooner practices and media get-togethers. We'll do that next right here on The Ref. Welcome back, everybody. Jesse Crittenden in with us. Parker's still on vacation. Connor Pasby running the uh, show for us there in the uh, studio, the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios. Riverwind Casino, let me tell you what's happening this weekend. It's going to be a big-time weekend at Riverwind. How about Friday night? You head over to Riverwind. You enjoy staying night at the River Buffet. Then you go see the Counting Crows in concert at the Showplace Theater. Still a few tickets available uh, at Riverwind.com or at the Casino Box Office. Then Saturday night, uh, we have another show, Beats and Bites 2023, Coop Ale Works. Presents Beats and Bites and on the Beats and Bites stage for the final show of the summer, Gary Allen on Saturday night. And you also have a chance to go enjoy Steak Night at the River Buffet. They also have their big time promotion that they have going, the $100,000 New Scene 17 celebration, the big drawing Saturday night, and including the grand prize drawing Saturday night, where five grand prize winning patrons are going to win at least $5,000 each. That is happening again at Riverwind Casino this weekend. Friday night, Counting Crows. Saturday night, out on the Beats and Bites stage, the Coupel Works Beats and Bites stage. Gary Allen, final Beats and Bites show of the summer. Don't forget, we also have a, a show there in the fall of the Beats and Bites stage, October 22nd, the Gin Blossoms with Tonic and Wakeland. So uh, be thinking about that as well. But get out there and uh, participate in their $100,000 uh, 17th birthday celebration. Uh, the drawings, again, are happening in the new scene, 17 celebration, Saturday night. And, again, five people, five grand prize winning patrons are going to win at least $5,000. So a huge, busy, entertaining weekend at Riverwind Casino, as always. Okay, so you've been out at practice. You've been through all the media sessions. And, first of all, you guys, man, I mean, you're out there. I know people don't feel sorry for media members ever, but you're out there in 100-plus degree temperatures uh, that's not easy, but is there anything that has stood out to you again? Just maybe something that you thought, wow, you know, I, I didn't really know that I would be that competent in this area, but after talking to people, whether it's coaches, players, or whatever, anything you've changed your mind about on Oklahoma heading into this season? Yeah, I think there's two main areas uh, on both sides of the ball. I think on offense, it's wide receiver. Now, I think coming into fall camp, it's not that it's not that you know I thought OU doesn't have talent there, right? But that's it's it was an interesting group, you know, losing Marvin Mims, losing Theo Weiss, even Braden Willis, who was kind of more like a wide receiver than a tight end. It's about how are how is OU going to replace that production mostly with a group of players outside of Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops who don't have a ton of experience on the field. Um, but I think what we've seen through a couple weeks is guys like Nick Anderson, a second-year guy who's really stepping up, uh, Andrew Anthony, the Michigan transfer that I think is going to provide a, a deep play threat that this team really needs, especially with Marvin Mims gone. Uh, I feel confident that that wide receiver group is going to be a strength for this team talking to people around the program I mean Jeff Levy said yesterday he thinks there's going to be six or seven wide receivers who are going to get regularly rotated onto the field I think we're going to see that and then defensively I think it's the defensive line now I don't think it's going to be they're not going to go from bad last year to amazing this year but I think that defensive line has more depth I think that I think guys like Dejon Terry and you know Jordan Kelly and Jonah Laulu. I think those guys are going to make a bigger impact this year. So I think if there were two things, two position groups, I was really concerned about coming into fall camp. Uh, I'm, I feel a little bit more confident than I did. 
Jaden Gibson was a guy that you always heard. Well, you, you saw the natural ability, you know, when he caught the uh, the touchdown pass in the spring game for Micah Bowens. And you also saw last year, again, he drops uh, the potential game-winning uh, TD pass in the end zone. But he, he's got the frame. He looks like a potential NFL guy. But you heard, well, maybe he needs to grow up a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe some maturity issues, stuff like that. He's got to get more locked in. But he seems to be. I know you guys talked to him the other day. He's a fantastic interview, no doubt about it. Uh, and it looks like that that's a kid, when we talk about player developments, that you're kind of seeing that it looks like right now. We have to let the season play out. But it looks like that Jaden Gibson can fit that bill. Uh, I've been high on Jaden Gibson even since last year. And I think the, you know, the concerns about his drops or his confidence have absolutely been there. But I've, I've been confident about Jaden Gibson for a while because, like you said, I think the intangibles – I mean, he's the tallest wide receiver in the group. He's six foot five. Uh, he brings – I mean, that size alone is something this wide receiver group desperately needs. And I think the thing to remember, too, about him being a freshman last year is most freshmen aren't ready to come in and take a huge role right away. And I think that's important when we discuss guys like Jackson Arnold, who I think would be good right away. But you have to keep in mind, when you see a freshman come in and be ready to play big snaps, that's the that's the exception, not the rule. And there, for a lot of guys, it takes time to get acclimated. You usually are going from you're the guy at your high school to now you're on a team like Oklahoma with a lot of talent. And there's a there's a mental aspect to it. There's a physical aspect to it. I think he was. I think he needed to put on some weight. I think he needed to work through some confidence. Now, all that being said, I, I think these first few games of this season, this non-conference slate, are going to be important for a guy like him. But he's going to see the field. He's going to see opportunities. Now it's can he get through some of those mental hurdles and uh, and stay on the field? Because I think the expectations are high, and OU really needs a guy like him to produce. Brent, in his first year, uh, there were some game day issues. And there were times, I know, in the Texas game, it kind of looked like, you know, oh, we it was we don't have any answers kind of face that you saw in some of those cutaways, and uh, certainly they didn't expect the backup quarterback situation to be that that dire that desperate. But what did you think about Brent as a head coach in year one, and what kind of steps do you think they've taken to be better? on game day in, in terms of just game day decisions? Yeah, I think last year, I mean, we saw, I mean, again, with, with Britt Venable's experience as a defensive coordinator, nobody's taking away how much he knows about the defense. But the reality is a good head coach is involved in in everything that's going on with the team, everything equally, not just focused on the defense. And I do think you saw some, I mean, when you lose five games by three points and a lot of those games came down to, man, why'd they go for it on this fourth down? Or why did they call this timeout here? A lot of those games came down to decisions like that that look like a first-year coach trying to find his way and also having to deal with things that he hasn't had to deal with before. He's always been able to just focus on the defense. So uh, I think coming into this year, and Brent's talked about it, I think think he sees – where the mistakes were last year, the fact that this team never played complimentary football, the offense uh, played too fast, defense was on the field too long. I think you're going to see him, or at least it's going to be important for him to you know, exercise his ability as a head coach to have more of an impact in areas like that. And I, I do think the reality is I think we're going to see growth from him, but this is a big, this is a big year, and I think you, you don't want to see – some of those mistakes from last year where it's 
it's indecisiveness or, or I don't know, maybe making spur-of-the-moment decisions or being too focused on the defense. Those are things you don't want to see this year. I think he will improve, but there needs to be a lot of improvement there too. Hey, Connor, if you would, in the folder, uh, I put in a Mark Mangino clip for today out of that last second. So uh, it wasn't long ago Mark Mangino was taken up for his buddy Brent Venables. They were on the staff together, obviously, at Kansas State and came to Oklahoma, won a national championship. And Mark Mangino uh, was admonishing the OU fans, don't worry, Brent's got this taken care of. Here's what he had to say recently. You know, Brent came in clear-eyed. You think he didn't study the, the Oklahoma personnel and everything before he even talked to the people from Oklahoma? He's been at Oklahoma. He knows the caliber of talent. He knows the, the importance of football to the state of Oklahoma and especially OU fans. So he came into this clear-eyed. Uh, uh, he's going to be fine. What if Brent would have came into Oklahoma? The fans are already in shock about their coach leaving town, their quarterback leaving town, others. What if you come in and say, well, you know, I evaluate the personnel. It's, you know, some of it's good, most of it's not. we got to recruit better. We're not – I think some people would have jumped off the ledge in Oklahoma. Am I right or am I wrong? Brent will never abandon Oklahoma. He's staying there for the long haul to win national championships and conference championships. And fans take warning, don't abandon him. You'll be sorry. There you go. Mark Mangino says you will be sorry. That needs to be the uh, next ref T-shirt. Just giant Mangino face. Don't abandon Brent. You will be sorry. Something like that. Uh, Anyway, I love Mark Mangino doesn't mess around. I love the fact that he didn't call a certain coach by his name or the quarterback by his name. But you know how I roll on that. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Mike Steely along with Jesse Crittenden, our uh, practice camp reports, Sooner uh, training camp reports, they're basically out of that. Uh, They're into a regular weekday uh, routine now. Arkansas State obviously coming up a week from this Saturday. But they're brought to you by Neutral. Vodka, seltzer, real juice. Neutral Vodka Seltzer is an official sponsor of OU Athletics, made with only vodka, seltzer, and real juice to offer a deliciously clean, light, and refreshing taste. Neutral Vodka Seltzer Real Juice. Let's take a break right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, with us. Uh, any questions you have for Jesse about the team, recruiting, whatever, let us know. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is open, 405-651-3439. we got to catch up on a bunch, but send your questions our way. We'll try and answer them next here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Welcome back. Welcome back. Good to have you with us here on a Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune. Parker is still on his honeymoon in Hawaii, and uh, that, you talk about a perfectly timed getaway. That was it, right? Because uh, Parker, of course, was hearing it from the Sooner fans. I saw the posters, too. What was it? Dead in the water. I said, you know what you need to do? You need to just save those for posterity. <laughs> Down the road, you can laugh at them. You know, maybe print a full-size poster when you have a millionaire's mansion and you can put in your movie room the Dead in the Water movie poster right next to The Godfather or whatever. (laughs) But it was a good time for him to get away because people can be – you know what people can be on social uh, media? They can be ruthless at times. But we also love it because our text line and uh, Twitter is always blowing up for us, and we appreciate you guys very much. Okay, 4056 Five one thirty four thirty nine Chevrolet text line Steelman question thoughts on Urban Meyer and the uh, new Florida documentary Have you seen that I think it's called Is it Swamp Kings Swamp Kings Yeah yep. I watched an episode and a half last night 
and it looks like a Urban Meyer's PR team kind of put that out yeah. to an extent. Now, look, there's some curse words, and they showed how hard they were working and all that stuff. But I have heard that the rest of the way, the Aaron Hernandez stuff, the Pouncey Twin stuff, all of that stuff's basically, you know, they don't mention it, don't even get into it. So, you know, but I still like the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's kind of cool to see the locker room stuff. And uh, that Florida team, of course, beat Oklahoma uh, to win the national championship. Sooners were missing DeMarco Murray, and it was so close. I can still remember Tim Tebow and Nick Harris going back and forth that night. That was It was 14-14, right, and going into the fourth quarter, I think, that yeah, game? 14, I believe, 14. Yeah, 14-14. And it, that game was also played in Florida. It was a, it was a big home field advantage. Well, for, how for many Florida times fans. you got to go play LSU, that Nick Saban LSU team, when they hadn't won a national title in like 50 years in New Orleans? Yep. Then you got to go play, obviously, Florida uh, in um, – that was in Miami too, right? Yeah. Uh, of course, the SC debacle, we don't even want to think about. It. That was one of the worst nights ever. What happened that night, uh, you know, it, it started great. The Sooners took the ball down the field, scored. scored. Then SC comes back. Everything changed on the Mark Bradley muffed uh, punts where he fumbled it there, right. and SC got the momentum and never looked back. Yep. And I was working at another radio station at the time, and we had put together a package for listeners to to win and come. They got a hotel, and they got transportation to the game and everything with this um, with this travel company. So they had a bus to the stadium and everything. So. After 55 to 19, Suter fans are piling on this bus to go back to the hotel. They are, they are not happy, and some are heavily intoxicated. But they're on a bus. They're not driving. But a couple people that are supposed to be part of our party to go back to the hotel that were part of the trip, I guess they decided to get a ride with somebody else. We didn't know that at the time. The bus driver kept saying, I'm being instructed that I've got to have everybody on this bus before we leave everybody and these people are still missing we're trying to find them and every day people are you know leaving the bus to go find them nobody finds them in the meantime we're sitting in this bus for about an hour and a half in the parking lot the sc band comes out and plays tribute to troy and fight on over and over again probably about 20 yards from us My goodness. so that's ringing in your head the rest of the night people were ready to kill <laughs> You know, us, because what are you doing, Staley? Where are you guys? You know, it's like, dude, I have no idea. But meanwhile, Tribute to Troy was playing over and over and over. So, but yeah, that's, man, that was, the Sooners had been so close. That was one of those games. Again, you look back at that Florida game and that LSU LSU. game where they were so close. It's. I think that Florida game. I think OU came up empty-handed. I think a couple of times inside the five. Like, Can came I remember? Away without there, there were some. There were a few fourth and shorts. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 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 And, that's right. And I, then that it, LSU. I think OU drove late to tie it and and didn't score. The key wide and Jones yeah. was overthrown a little yeah. bit, and uh, yeah. you know they. I can still remember everybody talking about play Paul Thompson over the Heisman Trophy winner. And I think Jason White was clearly a little bit banged up. But, man, two tough ones for Sooner fans. All right, 405-651-3439. Steel Man, when are you going to be back on the FM in Norman? 99.3. You should be able to get in Norman right now. 99.3 FM. We're working on it, folks. We are working on it. This was a corporate decision made by the suits, not anywhere near the state of Oklahoma, all right? And don't believe the BS that we're going away. You've got 
some other salespeople from other places, I've been told, that have been saying, oh, yeah, they're going under, which is a completely underhanded, unprofessional lie. But we're here. We're here for the long term. Uh, so anyway, 405-651-3439. Urban Myers is scumbag, says the 214. Urban is uh, somewhat questionable, yes. I would say actually very questionable. My fa- <laughs> One of my favorite Urban Meyer deals, he was – he was on vacation somewhere. I guess he was on a yacht or something, and I can't remember who he was talking to. I don't know if you've seen this, but this is after all the stuff happened where he was grabbing the girl's butt in, the, in his bar and everything. Uh, so th- they already had that. And I can't remember. He was Maybe he was talking to the Fox guys at the time. But he's out, and he's on, like, a Zoom. And I guess a buddy of his is, like, undressing in the background, and Urban's like, no. No, you can still <laughs> Urban Meyer face probably out there somewhere in gift form. But, yeah, he's uh, he's a very interesting dude. But uh, did you watch any of that documentary yet? I have. I will. But I have been told I think you got to take it kind of uh, with a grain of salt. Take yes. It, take it as what it is. It, it's not it's not trying to show every side. It's not trying to show all the bad. It is. It's trying to do what it's trying to do. Yeah. And I am interested to watch it, though. Yeah, again, seeing some of the behind-the-scenes stuff is is still pretty cool. But, yeah, I mean, when they gloss over all this other stuff, um, you know, you're like, okay, uh, you know. It's kind of like Johnny Manziel, the Johnny Manziel doc. You know, they spend, like, it was, what, about an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. They spend about an hour and a half on the A&M stuff. And then they get, by the way, here he is picked in the NFL, and here he is sucking for the Browns, and here he is again out of football. And it was, like, done. Um but again, I do like, like I said, seeing the locker room stuff and some of the uh, the other stuff. You know what stands out to me, and we all know this, but Sooner fans are among the best in the country. Great fan base. But this is going to be a new experience, and they know that. But I'm not sure they really know how big of a change this is going to be because those fans are absolutely rabid at almost every school. Now you can talk about Bandy or whatever. I get that. But just seeing in the, uh, in the Florida documentary, you know, how big the stadiums are. Oklahoma may have what, like the sixth biggest stadium in the sec, something like that. that. But, and those fans are all crazy. I mean, they're all crazy. They're all, you know, you've got to deal with the LSU fans, the worst in college football. I agree. And every other fan base is kind of like the Texas tech fans there. So it's going to be a brand new experience. I wonder who the classy fans are going to be in the, in the sec. Like the Nebraska fans used to be, uh, you know, I think uh, the Alabama fans, there was a good experience. The Sooners won in Tuscaloosa. Bama came here with Dennis Franchoni. And, and I thought, you know, there was a – both fan bases got along. But, again, you're in different conferences at that time. So it's going to be interesting. They might, have to get, they might even get after you media members. <laughs> you, you better watch out. We've run into that actually a couple of different times. I think we ran into that with Arkansas fans, uh, OU Arkansas basketball. We've run into that like some really, some fans, yeah, being a little antagonistic towards OU media members when you know again it's one of those that we're not fans of the team, we're just covering the team. But I think they see us as as fans. So yeah, I do I do think it's going to be a huge change, not only the product on the field, but I mean I think we're also going to see a ton of SEC fans coming to Norman for games compared to other Big Twelve schools. It is going to be, and I think it's going to be a years-long change. It's not going to happen overnight. 
All right, Bumpy Road says Urban Meyer's buddy was undressing, but he also had a big bong in his hands. It was a reflection in the video. Wait a minute, Urban did or his buddy? Sounds like his buddy did. <laughs> yeah, I think it was his buddy. <laughs> wow, there you go. Yeah, that that video, I just remember the no, no, no. So good. Okay, uh, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. When we get back, they say we're not on 99.3. That can't be right, right? No, we're on 99.3. Yeah, yeah, somebody said you're not on 99.3. And, uh, and 1400 AM. That's Norman. right. And uh, on the app, and again, you can uh, you know go on the Ref website. There are many different ways to listen. I understand that there are people out there that are unhappy if they're working you know outdoors or whatever. They don't have access to Wi-Fi. I get that feel for you guys. Believe me, we're working on it. All right, we are working on it. Jesse Crittenden with us, OU Insider. Go to have you with us on a Wednesday edition of Steelman and Thune. We will get right back again to uh, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. we got some more audio to play. Jeff Levy from yesterday, Marcus Major from yesterday. Uh, more on the David Stone situation as well. Steve Wilfong says that Oklahoma is still leading for David Stone, but, man, Saturday is going to be huge. Okay, break time. Stay with us here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, we got Jesse Crittenden in the uh, crossfire today. Lost Stevie Ray way too early. What a guitar player he was. All right, 405-651-3439. If you're an olds like me, 43 is usually the age. You need to start thinking about, uh, you know, if your vision is having uh, some issues. And I know it certainly did for me. But if you're thinking about improving your vision, I want to introduce you to the new LASIK, or as we like to call it, very simply, Lens replacement. Why lens replacement? Because it provides a permanent solution to your vision needs. Unlike LASIK, which often leaves patients after surgery needing reading glasses or adjusting to monovision later in life. Lens replacement can eliminate the need for additional eyewear after your surgery. Here's the best part. With lens replacement, you'll never require cataract surgery lens replacement with the new lasik it's a major leap forward in vision correction so if you're ready to see 2020 check out the new lasik available at the new lasik.com my man dr Bellardo and the staff there they are the best in the business the new lasik.com okay 405-651-3439 405-651-3439 uh Give me a breakout performer for OU on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think I think offensively, I really do think it's Nick Anderson. Uh, I mean, I think there are several candidates for that. I think Gavin Freeman is going to have a huge year. But I think it's Nick Anderson, a guy that didn't play very much at all last year. Second-year guy, brings everything this wide receiver group needs. He quickly... You know, started. You know, he's in the he's in the first group in a lot of practice drills. I think he's really impressed in the scrimmages. I think he's had some of the bigger offensive plays. Um, OU needs size on the perimeter. They're gonna they're gonna run a lot of wide receivers in. But I think it's Nick Anderson. I think he's gonna be a guy that ends up you know potentially being the second or third option. And defensively, I think it's Jaron Canick. I think that's the easy choice, mostly because I, I think. We can be pretty confident and know that he's going to get a lot of snaps. And we saw what he did last year. The potential is there. But you got to remember, he didn't play a ton of linebacker in high school. He was a quarterback. And, you know, considering that, I think it was pretty impressive what he did last year. But I think he's already established himself as a leader. He's a second-year guy. I think he's got breakout 
candidate all around him. I mean, I think he and Danny Stutzman have really have really gelled together as kind of a dynamic duo at linebacker. Uh, I think those two guys are going to have huge years. Yeah, and uh, they're uh, they're characters as well. They uh, they're they're definitely that. But uh, you know, it feels like uh, watching that documentary last night on Florida, and I'm about two two episodes deep. But um, one of the players was saying, you know, we started getting better talent, but the difference has been again. It's all about the chemistry of the team. Everybody has to be bought in. Everybody has to, you know, you're not going to necessarily always get along. Sometimes you have to call out another teammate. You know, you do that because you're trying to move forward. And, you know, talking about the culture. Now, it became very toxic, clearly, at Florida with, with Urban Meyer down the road, but they did win a couple national championships. But the culture that Brent is trying to build do you see that and hear that more from the players in your interview sessions this year? Have you seen any difference there? Yeah, one of the things that they've talked about is there's been more player-led, uh, not only meetings, but player-led walkthroughs, particularly on defense. I think you've seen a guy like Danny Stutzman really step up to to kind of be an extension of the coaching staff. And Brent has talked about that a lot, like wanting players to kind of be, you know, to not be on such a different level than the coaching staff, but really to have, I think, an effective culture. You need players who instill that culture. And that was one of the things Brent talked about at Big 12 Media Days. That's one of the things Danny Stetsman's been talking about is at some point the players have to take accountability. And I think everybody's embarrassed by last year. I think the players are are more embarrassed than anybody else. And I think you're going to see not only just veteran guys that they've added through their transfer portal, but I think you're going to see guys who were on the team last year um, who have now – this is their second year in Brent's system, last year being such an embarrassment that um, I do think you're seeing – players really instill the culture and I think that's again when you talk about NIL recruiting all that stuff I think it's getting harder and harder to instill your culture and that's why I think you see Brent doubling down on it and I think because it takes more of an effort than it ever has to have that culture yeah no doubt Mark in Newcastle a couple this is one I missed the other day Steely if you need to squash all that going out of business hooey from those turkeys just call Nate Hibble and Trent Smith. They shut them up before. They can shut them up again. That was an interesting night in Houston after the Big 12 championship game. Yes, the uh, the the uh, the old Houston fiasco. Uh, Steely, if David Stone doesn't go right Saturday night, don't blame it on the sunshine, the moonlight, or the good times. Blame it on the boogie. <laughs> Very nice. Five stars now for Mark. He was a he was a highly ranked four star. Now he's going to five stars. All right, uh, folks, I, I would like to I, – I see what you're saying about a lot of the questions, on, but I can't turn this into a question and answer about the signal and all of that stuff. Uh, we're trying to talk sports here, but uh, we need like a we, – we put this information out like three weeks before we knew it was going to happen. Um, and I understand not everybody's at the radio, you know, when, when those promos play, but we're trying to get another FM signal. All right? I can't go buy a signal myself. I can't do it. I mean, I would need to start like a Ponzi scheme or something (laughs) to do that. You know? Mike Madoff. That's what I need to do. But we're trying our best, folks, to to, uh, just stay tuned, all right? That's that's all I got to say. But we're we're getting about 60% questions about the, well, the signal in the app and all of that. I can't turn this into us just talking about the signal in the app all day. I just can't do it. You sure you can't pick up a signal at Walmart? I've heard you can just go go buy an FM signal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Basement bargain prices. Maybe we'll go to Costco this weekend and see if they've got an FM signal. You know, 
$999 special, FM Signal. Uh, 405-651-3439. When you're out at practice, what feel does this team give you from 731? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think last year, especially after we've gotten some separation from it, I do think there was some nervousness. Now, there was excitement. There was a lot of new. I think new is always exciting. But I think there was some nervousness. I think there was a a new coaching staff trying to figure out uh, where their place in it is, you know, especially the players that were on the team the year before. How do they fit into all this? I think this year you see a little bit more of a focused team, and I think you feel um, a sense of urgency. I, I think there's been this feeling of why can't the season start tomorrow? I think it's been that way since the spring. Um, I think I think a lot of the guys that were on the team last year, I think they feel more confident in their roles. So I think it's I think it's a mix of both a little bit more confidence, but also a sense of urgency. I think to get this season started and move on from six and seven because you know those yeah. players that's, bitter that's, taste. they've that's been hearing that taste. for months they've no been hearing doubt. that for months no doubt about it all right jesse crittenden is in with us colin casey tell these olds to have their grandkids help them download the app all right uh dj graham there's a question about dj graham we will uh talk about that is there anything happening with dj graham transitioning from uh db to wide receiver remember he came to oklahoma as a wide receiver we'll talk about that next hour vandalay and norman i'm an importer exporter of fm signals well you know it it, it is in arts vandalay art vandalay nice there you go yeah we'll we'll uh i wonder if i can run to uh, the convenience store and see if they've got a deal on fm signals Maybe they do. Who knows? All right, 405-651-3439. My man Chickens in Tulsa, loud and clear on 1430 in the Ref app here in the 918. There's a man who's doing it and doing it and doing it well. Chickens 918, my buddy George. All right, everybody, we've got another hour to go with Jesse. Let's keep those questions rolling in here on the home of Sooner fans. One of them's an OU insider, folks. Jesse Crittenden joining us. OU insider, formerly of the Norman Transcript, now working with Parker Brandon and uh, that crew, covering the Sooners. Before we get started, now we're number two. Want to thank uh, the folks at OK Oklahoma Generator. Find them online at okgen.com or call 405-321-6631. They are family-owned and operated. They pride themselves on customer service. You know, there are a lot of businesses that don't even think about customer service anymore. But not Oklahoma Generator. They're the highest-rated and longest-operating Generac dealer. Uh, They're Oklahoma's most experienced service and sales staff, and uh, they are currently offering new customer discounts and a free 10-year warranty with new installations. If you live in Oklahoma, you probably need a generator, right? OKGen.com, 405-321-6631. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, always available to you, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. All right, uh, there was a question on the text line, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line about DJ Graham. Uh, We saw one of the, maybe the... uh, I don't know if it, it wasn't the most meaningful interception in OU history. That might have been like Torrance Marshall at Texas A&M. Uh, but it was the most spectacular one we saw in that Nebraska game when he was playing defensive back. Now, of course, he's transitioned wide receiver, came to OU as a wideout, 
anything happening there. Yeah, I th- DJ Graham's an interesting case. I mean, I think he's a guy we heard a lot about in the spring. You know, he made the transition in the middle of last year, but it was unlikely he was going to see the field trying to change positions, you know, in October. It's just hard to do. We heard about him a lot in the spring. He had a couple of catches in the spring game, I think showed, you know, some big playability. I don't think anybody can deny, you know, his hands are maybe some of the best on the team. But he is a guy we haven't heard a ton about in fall camp. I don't think that's to say he hasn't had an impact, but uh, I think that wide receiver room, it's easy to get buried. So, And we haven't we haven't gotten to talk to him yet. He hasn't been made available for immediate availability. So um, I don't know. I think it's, you know, there's rumblings here and there that he could have an impact, but he's not one of the guys we've heard a ton about. So I think he's, he's, uh, he's kind of an X factor under the radar kind of guy. We'll see if he has a role, but in that wide receiver room, I think it's easy to get buried. Yeah, and and then you look at you know like guys who are coming in. You're hearing great stuff about uh, Jacquez Petaway right now that he's going to be in the rotation and he's got a chance to be a great player at Oklahoma. So and Brent has always said, you know what I what I like about Brent is the honesty. He tells even these highly recruited guys, I'm recruiting the next guy to come in and take your job. And that's kind of what we're seeing maybe with a guy like Petaway. He's been, of course, he was a highly rated four star, but he is living up to the billing. Jackson Arnold, Peyton Bowen, P.J. Atabare, three five stars, last year's class. I know in the preseason you hear a lot of sunshine pumping. Uh, the coaches aren't going to tell you, well, the guy's absolutely horrible or anything. But I think for the most part, these guys, when they speak to you, they're pretty honest about everything. Um, but so far, the early returns on those guys is, yeah. They're everything that they were billed to be. Oh, yeah. Peyton Bowen. I mean, Brent said it as much in July at Big 12 Media Days. He said, we've got to find a way to get him on the field. And then when we talked to Peyton Bowen last week, I asked him, how much are you moving How much are you moving around the defense? Uh, I mean, and and Peyton Bowen responded, he's played five positions for this team. Um, So I think you see that. There's a couple different ways you can read that. I think one of them is I think guys like like Reggie Pearson has made an impact at safety. Obviously, Billy Bowman's going to get a ton of time there. So I think it's more about well, if 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 Reggie or sorry, if if Peyton Bowen can't play all of his minutes. At safety, we still need to get him on the field. How do we get him on the field? I think Peyton Bowen's a guy we're going to see a lot from. I think P.J. Adabare, that defensive end position, is pretty loaded with depth, but I think we're going to see him get some spot reps. And Jackson Arnold, I think the main thing for him, I think he's came in. I think he's been really impressive this fall. He's made some big jumps from the spring, but I think this year for him is about learning from Dylan Gabriel, learning this offense, because his time's going to come even if it's not this year. All right, Bob Stoops was on the ref yesterday, and uh, let's load that clip up because they asked him on the rush uh, about Peyton Bowen, and here's what Bob said about uh, the Sooners right now, again, testing out Peyton Bowen at a lot of different spots on the defense. It means he's a great player. He can. He can they're trying to find what is the very best spot for him. It's kind of like, a, hopefully, a guy like a Roy Williams where you're trying to find work in – where can he get the most production uh, because he can do so many things. Roy was a thumper. He could hit you. He could blitz. But he'd go out there and he could cover you too. So, um, And I really thought we found the absolute best spot for him, you know, in that position we called the Roy position, you know, uh, kind of somewhere between an outside backer and a safety and, you know, so hopefully that's the case. Um, you know, I, I did. I was at a practice a week ago or so, and 
saw saw him cover some ground and make a great interception on the sideline. And so uh, hopefully, you know, it all keeps progressing uh, that way for him and they find a great spot for him. I'm sure they will. There you go. Bob Stoops on the rush right here on the ref every Tuesday afternoon with uh, Teddy and Tyler. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I feel like the kicking game is something we haven't talked about Given how many close losses we had last year, any info on how the kicking game is looking? Yeah, I think that's a good I think that's a good point to bring up because yeah, that the kicking game was an area of weakness last year. I mean, I, I think Zach Schmidt not to not to rag on him personally, but I, he was at the bottom of the Big Twelve Conference in terms of uh, efficiency. Uh, I think he was twelve of eighteen on the year. You look at the West Virginia game, you look at the Texas Tech game. I think those were games where missed kicks played a huge role in losing those games. So we actually got to talk to Zach on Monday. Um, he sounded like a guy that recognizes last year wasn't good enough. Um, I think he knows the the you know production needs to be there this year. I think he's faced some competition for that spot, but I think Zach Schmidt is going to be the kicker, the starting kicker this year. Uh, the main thing I'm looking at, honestly, is punt and kick returns. I mean, not only you know Marvin Mims played a huge role at punt returner, but I think they're trying a lot of guys out at kick returner and punt returner. I think we're going to see this this coaching staff be a little bit more aggressive in terms of returning kicks and punts. We didn't see that a, a lot last year. We didn't see it with the with the previous regime i think you're going to try to see this this coaching staff be a little bit more aggressive i think you're going to see guys like gavin freeman uh you know and and billy bowman maybe lv bunkley shelton maybe even peyton bowen uh get some reps there uh but yeah i do think special teams is one of those areas that you know it's not it's not always uh fun or sexy to talk about but it has a big impact and we saw it burn this team multiple times last year no doubt has the burrito curse been lifted yet i feel like there's still a little uh, some chunks of burrito hanging around you know because you know and th- which is the most amazing thing ever because gay burkich was seemed to be money and then, yeah, I'll tell you what happened, NIL, they got a burrito deal, and guess what? Wasn't the same deal afterwards. 405-651-3439. Angry Ronnie, do we know the depth chart yet or when it's going to be released? Yeah, I would expect it'll be uh, sometime next week, uh, obviously with you know the week leading up to that game. I bet we'll get it when uh, Venable speaks on Tuesday or maybe the day before. That's about what happened last year. Um I think the depth chart's going to be interesting because we saw with the previous regime there were a lot of uh there wasn't a lot to glean from those depth charts. It was a lot of this player or this player. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> we didn't see that with Venables last year. We saw him make some pretty concrete, you know, things pretty concrete on that depth chart. I think we're going to see it again this year, and I think it's particularly interesting cuz competitive depth has been the buzzword all fall camp. I think we're going to see some young guys on it. I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see when it comes out next week. All right, from the 405, who is the punter with Turk gone now? And Turk was a great punter. I mean, he changed, flipped the field a lot of times for OU. Now, one thing that he didn't do you know, really well last year was he couldn't hit the coffin corner a lot. It would go through the end zone sometimes. But he was still a big weapon. What do you think the Sooners are going to do at punter? Because uh, Michael Turk had, had a great couple years. You know, going to have a great life with Grace Lyons now, obviously. But uh, what are we thinking at punter? That one's pretty much up in the air. Do yeah, we know? I, yeah, I think that's still being decided. I mean, I think they brought in a guy like Luke Elzinga 
you know, who spent some time. That's right, the transfer yeah, portal. Who spent some yeah. time at Central Michigan. Um, if I had to guess, he's going to be a guy they bring in. Uh, I, I, you know, I think he's a good punter. Uh, maybe not quite on that Turk level, but I think he's a good punter. And if we've seen anything with this coaching staff, it's that they really value experience. And to get him from the transfer portal tells me that this coaching staff liked what they've seen from him. Um, you know, we saw him a little bit in the spring game. So I, I don't think we know for sure, but that would be my guess. 405-651. We've got one from Mike in Springfield. I want to make sure and get uh, Mike in. Uh, Steely, I attended the 1975 Missouri game in Columbia. I've been watching Mike Trapp's call that play on YouTube. Who was the color guy for Mike in those days? You, I can't remember who was in, in 75. But, yeah, it was the Go Joe Go play where uh, – Missouri used to grow up the grass uh, when Oklahoma would come to town back when they were playing on turf, trying to, uh, you know, uh, deal with Oklahoma's speed. Uh, the Sooners, of course, then Joe Washington, not only that run, but then the two-point play. Maybe Joe didn't get in, but Mr. Silvershoes was shoes was given credit for the two-point conversion. That was one of the big games. But Mike Trepp's. Uh, you know, I used to produce his show here a long time ago. That's I think if you've listened to me long enough, I, I can still remember Mac Brown coming in a couple times, the offensive coordinator in 1984. And I love Mike Treps. He was great, really good to me. Missed the guy. Huge Cubs fan, obviously. Uh, was, you know, just a Sooner legend. But I can still remember Mac uh, coming in. And uh, then the eventual, you know, the Sooner fans just ripping on him because he's in Texas. But he was like – I don't think there was anybody who ever came in this building that ever treated me better than Mac Brown, besides fellow employees and everything. But he was one of them, Mac, how are you doing? How's school doing? Good to see you. How's the family? You know, I mean, it was crazy. And um, But that was the year uh, Troy Aikman had to play. Danny Bradley got injured. They went to Kansas, and Troy Aikman had to play against Kansas, and they lost that game to Kansas. I'll never forget that postgame show. And uh, Mac having to come in the week after that, so. But, yeah, interesting, Mac Brown. Mac Brown might have been the head coach at the University of Oklahoma if his brother Watson didn't want, you know, the, to, uh, to interview for the OU job. But Watson was interested in getting the OU job when it opened up, or else it might have been totally different. You might have had uh, – can you imagine if it had been – Mac at OU and Bob Stoops at Texas. What an alternate universe we would we would all be living in right now. <laughs> that, would be, that would be, no doubt, <laughs> completely. All right, break time. Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, is with us. 405-651-3439. Uh, by the way, let us know if you uh, remember who was working with Mike Trips on the 75. John uh, Brooks. That's what we get a few texts coming in. I don't think Brooksy was there in 75. I don't, I'm, in fact, I'm almost positive he wasn't with Brooks in uh, 75. Brooksy came along a little bit later, I think, maybe uh, 79, 80. Um, if I still got John Brooks, I could ask. I don't know if I still got Brooks. By the way, there's the urban uh, <laughs> picture right there. All right, uh, but let's break right here. Jesse Critton and OU Insider. Any question you have for Jesse concerning Sooner football? 405-651-3439. Now, let's uh, – Robert Spears Jennings, Ron Inaledo is asking about RSJ. We'll talk to Jesse about that when we get back here on The Ref. All right, boy, was the old man way wrong. So, Brooksy, based on what I'm seeing, was 74 to 91. I'm trying to think if Brooksy had a couple years on and off at that point, but it doesn't sound like it. 
Uh, somebody's saying it was uh, John Snyder of Channel 9 also. So, anyway, I just, uh, you know, I, I used to listen to most of the games as a kid on the radio. That's how old I am, man. We had like three games a year, maybe four with a bowl game, obviously, but always listening on the radio. I can still remember the old radio that we would listen to the OU games on. And the cool thing was I decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to other games. So I built a little a media center out in the garage where I could keep stats as a kid. And I had a couple radios out there. We could pick up the uh, LSU games. I think it was WLS. What was the big station in New Orleans? You didn't add the extra W, but uh, the Iowa games you could get on WHO in Des Moines. So I, I had, like, my little media center out there. And I would draw programs and keep stats and all kinds of stuff. So that's how I rolled way, way back then. So, But I do remember it was the Gojo Go call from uh, Mike Treps in that game in Columbia. That was an experience, man, uh, listening to the games on the radio. And nowadays, you can get – every football game, you've, you've got it somewhere, right? Right. Somewhere you've got it. Okay, 405-651-3439. Seattle Sooner. Come on, guys. I was being modest. Please give it up to me. I told you guys before. All right, what did he – what is he – after my wife took a job in Seattle, we picked up everything and moved out here. I've been unemployed since. Today, I finally got offered a job. So give it up to me. You don't have to uh, if you don't want to. Well, congratulations Congrats. on getting work there in Seattle, man. I have never been to Seattle. But you know what I love? The Seattle music scene, particularly back in the day. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, all those big-time bands from way back when. I, I love that era. Are you old enough to have grown up in that area? You're not quite, right? You probably just met. You know the music. I, I, listen, I, I listened to it growing up, but I was. That's a little past my time. Jeez. But I mean, but I listen to. I listen. I mean, my favorite band of all time is the Beatles. That's what I mean. The really? Beatles. Yeah, the Good Beatles. For you, man. The Stones, Led Zeppelin. You know, Metallica. All that. You know, seventies, eighties, sixties. All that stuff. Beach Boys. It's. That's how I grew the up. The beach. See, you pick two good ones. Uh, the Beatles, and I know some people. You know, there's a crowd. Well, it's not cool to like the Beatles, and I think that's BS. Uh, I disagree. Uh, <laughs> they were awesome, and if you look at those battles between the Beatles and the Beach Boys, mm-hmm. Sergeant Pepper's Revolver, Pet, Pet Sounds. Sounds, Pet Sounds is probably if I had to name my favorite album of all time, that would be it. But look, Revolver, Sergeant Pepper's are great, but Brian Wilson. Who knows how much longer we're going to have him? That's, maybe the greatest, maybe the Mozart of pop music, Brian Wilson. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Paul McCartney and he and him are, are neck and neck, and that's I've seen Paul McCartney three times in concert. He's the only uh, band artist I've ever seen that made me cry all three there times. You go. Well, tear up. you should meet my buddy David because he is a huge Paul McCartney guy. Plays bass guitar and is a huge Beatles fanatic, but he's seen McCartney endless times. So uh, you guys will have to get together and discuss uh, the greatness of Paul McCartney. All right, 405-651-3439. Wally and Bixby, Brooksy's signature line was, Jamie Christmas. Oh, yeah, I heard a bunch of those growing up. WWL in New Orleans is the one you're talking about. Used to listen to them as well. Yeah, going way back with LSU. I've always thought, even though LSU has scumbag fans, I mean, just complete, barely human. They're subhuman is what most of them are. Being spat upon in uh, on Bourbon Street, 
during that fateful night when LSU won, Tiger bait the whole week, they are just downright scum. 98% of them. I mean, I just got to tell it like it is. That state pretty much is downright scum. It's a filthy, nasty, dirty-ass state. I'm just saying. But the LSU uniforms, they may have the best helmet in college football. It's pretty good. And I like OU's interlocking. You know, there are a lot of good ones. But as a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing ever when I saw LSU put on the purple jersey. With, mm-hmm. Because I don't like yellow, the yellow and white, but although the LSU helmet looks pretty cool, mm-hmm. just the it's really nice. But when they break out the purple jerseys, I'm very my eyes are pleased. Those are good. <laughs> what do you think if you had to rank your favorite college football uniforms and you can go back to traditional, you know, I, I still don't really throw alternates in there, but what do you think? Who's got the best threads? I really think, at least historically, I, I like simple. Not that not that there can't be flashy, but I, I like simple. I mean I, I think the 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 classic OU Nebraska games are always so fun to to watch. Uh I think mostly because of the uniforms. I think I think uh, Alabama. I've always liked Alabama's uniforms, but again, I'm I'm a simple mm-hmm. type of guy. I I liked uh, when I was a kid. I liked Tulane mostly just because I liked green and I liked their <laughs> green uniforms. But uh, yeah, so it's it's the same thing in in the NFL. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, unfortunately, but I think the Dallas Cowboys have the best uniforms. You always go back to the classics, though, right? Yeah. It's kind of like fashion. Yeah. Something can come in style for a little while, but the classics stand the test of time. Absolutely. And when I think of the classics in college football. Uh, OU, I love OU's whites. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to pick between the two, Michigan, Ohio, Ohio State, State with the Buckeyes. Uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think who else that I really like. Golly, do I have to say it? I thought USC was cool growing up. Not yeah. anymore. <laughs> uh, you won't find anything USC in my closet. But um, I don't know. I, what do you think about the horns uniforms? I, I know this is blasphemy here, but I, I actually like. So if you, I'm not a big fan of orange, but mm-hmm. I think if you're going to have orange, I prefer Texas's burnt orange over Oklahoma. It State. needs to be That's, a well done yeah, orange instead yes. of a rare orange. Yes. Like OSU's is the rare orange, Texas is a well done. It's it's just a, it's just a classy orange where I think Oklahoma State's can be. Uh, a little too bright. I yeah. just think it looks gross. Well, it's America's brightest orange, right? <laughs> Penn State always looked good. I hate Texas, but those whites are pretty cool. They are. Yeah, I think so as well. And again, you know, when you're a blue blood, you don't have to have every single alternate uniform. I, you know, I liked when OU went to the Bud Era uniforms. You, everybody's seen the picture of Teddy in the Bud Era, Bud Era throwbacks in that rainy picture. But I guess because they lost to Texas Tech, they really haven't come back. But I always thought those were nice. Super cool. Um, but yeah, the, the Texas whites, they're not bad. They're really not that bad, but uh, I'm going to get lit up. I on can the text see you line now. grimace as you say that <laughs> Ohio state's uniforms are boring, says the nine one eight. A lot of people like Penn state that you talk about. That's the most simplistic uniform out there. I do like that dark blue or, or whatever. Is it, is it Navy? With with Penn state? What I would color say would a Navy be? or a midnight Navy. blue, maybe yeah. something like that. They are nice. I do like those. 405 says, yes, it was trapped on the call. I think he and Brooksy alternated play-by-play duties back then. Duty! UCLA <laughs> uniforms are nice. Yeah, UCLA's look pretty good, and you like the uh, script UCLA mm-hmm. on the helmet. I What I did like as the coolest thing I thought as a kid, because I was always into uniform style, but 
when they played USC and UCLA, they both could wear their home unis. Right. Right? And I just thought that was like the coolest thing ever. All right. Even Angry Ronnie says Texas's whites are clean. There you go. Hate them, but the uh, old Miss uniforms. Yeah, I, I do like the uh, shoestring stuck in a wheel here, and that's that's what happens to old people. I'm going to trip, and, you know, I'll be in a rest home after this next break. But what do you think? The old Miss with the uh, the powder blues? Yeah, nice. that's, I do really. I'm I'm a sucker for anything blue, especially lighter blue. Um, so, yeah, those, those old Miss uniforms are pretty nice. But, yeah, I do think – there's this weird thing because I know some people would say, you know, like Oregon's uniforms are great or all the combinations they have. But honestly, sometimes I think I just – I think I like simple. And I think when you're a blue blood, I th- almost think you have an obligation to stay simple. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in the minority on that. But I do – I just – I do think there are, are some schools that – um, they have a, I, you could say it's a moral obligation. They have a moral obligation to keep, you know, to stay true to those classic uniforms. And, and I, I think OU falls in that category. I think Texas falls in that category. Yeah. You, you almost look desperate if you have too many alternate I, uniforms. I agree. Now I, I said agree. when Oklahoma state decided to make all the uniform changes, I thought it was a good idea for Oklahoma state. Now yeah. I like the old Barry Sanders look. That's always been my favorite Oklahoma state uniform, yeah. but to try and be maybe kind of like the Oregon of the Southwest, you know, Oklahoma yeah. state, I think it works for Oklahoma state, the uh, uniform changes. All right. Break time. Mike Steely, Jesse Crittenden, Connor Pasby on the board. Uh, and again, we're going to come back, talk a little sooner football. We will hear from Jeff Levy and Marcus major next right here on the home of sooner fans. Wednesday edition of Steelman and Thune without Thune. Parker will be back on Monday. We're going to get locked in. Coming up, it'll be uh, Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson coming up at 3 o'clock, even though the old man identified the two wrong people who were supposed to be on yesterday's broadcast. It happens. I also got my shoestring caught in the wheel of one of these chairs, but guess what? Like Harry Houdini, I freed myself. It was very impressive. I mean, these these are the things that happen. Uh, Can I thank somebody, by the way? Uh, Because... Old man issue. Saturday, we go out to Aishans in Okarchi. You ever been to Aishans? I haven't. All right, you need to make a trip out there. First of all, the, the underrated part of Aishans is the very greasy, just cheesy, just drenched in cheese nachos. With That's some jalapenos. You and you can put the chili on there if you want. But to start with that, then you get your chick, your chicken, which is great, and the okra and everything else. So Shay set up something. We went out there for my 60th birthday, met our friends Kathy and Kelly out there. And uh, so we went through the festivities of eating. By the way, you use more napkins at Aishans maybe than any other place you ever eat at. So we have our food and everything. And then afterwards, you know, there are 9 million napkins everywhere. Aishans has these tables with, like, the business cards on them like some restaurants do. Um, and I can remember getting the bill and I've got my credit card under the little clipboard on the little mini clipboard set up and I paid written the tip on and everything. And then we're taking pictures like they got these happy birthday glasses I'm supposed to put on, you know, <laughs> like the monkey in the zoo <laughs> posing for pictures. Hey, yeah, they're funny, but it was fine. But so I get up, we leave, I get up Sunday morning to go get my coffee and some other stuff, pull out the wallet, no credit card, oh, which no. is always a great feeling, isn't it? <laughs> You're like, no, life is over. So I I look up, Aishans is closed on Sunday, and a buddy of mine, uh, Chris Palmer, knows somebody who works at Aishans and said, hey, I know somebody, they'll be there, you know, like 7 in the morning to do uh, to do." Uh, paying people to do the payroll. 
So make sure and call. And I thought, well, yeah, they don't open the tent on Monday. Surely they don't answer the phone. Guess what? They answered the phone in like three rings. I mean, that, I had the over and under at like 100 rings, but they answered it in like three. So I want to thank Julie from Aishans because she said, yep, found it for you. And she also said she'll send it to me rather than making the long round <laughs> trip all the way to Okarchi, you know, which when you're trying to do two things, you know, two jobs every week, it's kind of tough to think, yeah, I've got three hours to make it, you know, to and from Aishans. So she uh, sent the card back via mail, and I just want to thank her for that. That was it's cool to find kind people out there. And she was very happy, too, to have found the card. I found it. I found it. So, anyway, thank you. Thank you to Juliet Eichens. All right, 405-651-3439. We're heading to the uh, text line in one second. First, I want to hear from Jeff Lebby. You guys met with Jeff yesterday. Here's what the Sooners OC had to say about how the offense is progressing. Yeah, there's been a lot of good. There's been been plenty, you know, that we're continuing to work through and fix and just continuing to, to try to create depth at every single position. I do like where we're at. I like our guys' attitude and their effort and their toughness. Uh, we got to continue to get better. I think our guys understand that as we work towards uh, next Saturday. Specifically the wide receiver group, yep. where do you feel like they stand here uh, you know, two weeks before the first game? I think we're going to be able to play multiple guys. You know, I think that's the best part of that group right now is that I think you got a chance to see uh, – uh, six or seven guys, which that wasn't necessarily the case uh, last year. So feel feel good about the depth of that room. Guys got to go make uh, make plays next Saturday. There you go. And uh, you think about losing Marvin Mims, and you think about really your uh, best offensive players. You can make an argument. Uh, you know, obviously Marvin Mims, Eric Gray, Braden Willis, Dylan Gabriel may have been your top four offensive guys a year ago, right? Threat wise. You got one of them back, but yet they still feel pretty good about what they have at wide receiver because apparently a lot of these guys have progressed and they like the young guys they brought in like Petaway. Yeah, when you go through, I mean, when you I mean, Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson, obviously you still got Jalil Farouk who had a breakout year last year. Uh, Drake Stoops, who was really good last year, you've got those two guys kind of leading the room. But yeah, Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson and Andrell Anthony, uh, you know, Jaquay's Petaway. I mean, I think they even like, you know, LV. Bunkley Shelton obviously we know what DJ Graham can do on a football field so I think the question about the wide receiver room has never been about talent it's always been about uh can't you know is is lack of experience going to hurt them but I do think they feel confident about the depth in that room and it is weird to lose Eric Gray but we saw what Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk did in the bowl game and I also think people are forgetting about Marcus Major a little bit who uh, who has been hurt he struggled with injuries throughout his career but when he's healthy and on the field he can produce, and I, I think they think they've got three guys in that running back room who can who can help them right now. Speaking of Marcus Major, uh, here's what he had to say to the media yesterday about uh, his role in the offense and what he's trying to accomplish this season. I feel like I'm taking a bigger role, you know, me being an older guy. Um, I feel like I got, you know, more responsibilities, you know, just not just only, you know, trying to carry the load, but just trying to bring the guys with me, you know, just keeping up, you know, just taking, taking day by day. Some learning experience, you know, but I'm still learning, you know. Um, but it's, it's been all fun, you know. I've been enjoying these guys. You know, it's a lot of talent in the room, you know, to just to see. The competition kind of like with you and Javante and Gavin mm-hmm. up at the top there. Great competition, man. They they progressed so much since they've been here, you know, and it's it's only made me better, you know. It's making each other better. So, you know, iron sharp is iron. Um, I, mean, I appreciate them, you know, for being here, you know, making me go every day and making me be my best every day, you know, and competition is fun. You know, I love it. 
there you go. Uh, Marcus Major meeting with the media yesterday. Sooner Bubba, thank you for sending me the information. I have it right here in front of me. We were talking about who was uh, on the broadcast with Mike Treps that day, the Gojo Go uh, game where they won in Columbia, Missouri in dramatic fashion. And here is the article prior to the season. John Snyder, sports director at KWTV in Oklahoma City, joins Mike Treps in Oklahoma's broadcast lineup this fall. Snyder, 27 years old, will handle the color, and Traps will do the play-by-play for the third straight year on the Sooner Network. So there you go. It was John Snyder and Mike Traps. Mike Traps play-by-play, John Snyder color. So I thought there were a few years where, like, Brooksy wasn't there, maybe for a couple years, uh, between 74 and 81. I think that might have been the case. John Brooks, great. Love, love Brooksy. He's still with us, obviously. Mike Traps. Uh, you know, was really good to me coming up through the business and uh, was was always great. Okay, uh, Doug from Norman says, Happy 60th birthday. We aren't just over the hill. We're on a bobsled to hell. <laughs> Wasn't that, that was the first rejected uh, ACDC lyric. Was not the highway to hell, the bobsled to hell. <laughs> but they they went with highway instead. Uh, Doug also said, I think their coach, referring to LSU back then when I was listening to LSU games as a kid, was Charlie McClendon. Yes. Uh, yeah, Era Parsegian was at Notre Dame. Bud Wilkinson was uh, obviously at Oklahoma through, I believe, 63, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, Charlie McClendon, uh, Charles Alexander was a really good running back for LSU, and you could get them on WWLL out of New Orleans. All right, 405-651, the service academies – that have the unit crests and the uniforms uh, and helmets that signify where the cadets are spending their two-year commitment is the best uniform combination ever. Yeah, I, I like those. Those are pretty good. But I do think this I, – I, I think that Army-Navy has gone into too much, into too much of that because I've always thought particularly Army's uniforms, and Army was a powerhouse back in the 40s, obviously with, with uh, Red Blake – um, and Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside. But I've always loved just the standard Army, Army uniforms. And navies aren't bad either. But it seems like now every year in the Army-Navy game, they, they've got some newfangled outfits, uh, uniforms. And some of them are cool, but I love their traditional uniforms, particularly armies. I think they're awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. And, again, it's not it's not that I'm against alternate uniforms. I think it can be fun to shake things up. But, yeah, I, I think when I think of that Army-Navy game, I think of those classic matchups with those traditional uniforms. That's what I think of. No doubt. Sooner Steven, the same John Brooks that did the Blazers. Yes, yes, that John Brooks. John Disco Brooks. Yes, absolutely. Pastor MC, some of my favorite memories are listening to John Brooks call the Sooners games with my dad. Yeah, like I said, if you're as old as me, uh, we had before Oklahoma and Georgia sued and got, you know, the Supreme Court ruling. It was OU and Georgia. And, uh, you know, they would that would have been like, what, 80, 82 or so when that court case came down. So now some 42 years later, they'll be conference brothers. But they really set TV on the track that it has finally gotten to because they got rights to their games, conferences, individual schools. Because basically, I think the limit was like you could be on twice with the exception of a bowl game uh, on national television. So imagine that now. That you, how do you think people would feel if – and T-Row, obviously the, the radio crew, they're awesome. 
but and I know a lot of people listen and uh, they simulcast and sync up T Rose call with uh, the TV broadcast. Yeah. But literally, we had to listen to about eighty percent of the OU games on radio, and there there was a little bit of a magic to that. I think it was more suited for baseball play by play back in the day, but. You know, I, I've told the story. Walter Cronkite did radio for OU. Absolutely he did. So did Kurt Gowdy back in the day. So the Sooners had, yeah, Walter Cronkite did Oklahoma football. I don't know if I knew that. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, I believe you. There's a picture. You can probably go ahead and Google it up and find it. But, yeah, and Kurt Gowdy did as well. So they had some legendary announcers. Okay, 405-651-3439. Jesse Crittenden with us. Uh, we've got one more segment to go. Let me tell you about Riverwind Casino because you should plan your weekend because some, you, sometimes you hear people, oh, there's really nothing to do in field football. You hear that? There is something to do. Always something to do besides winning money at Riverwind, and that's a big part of it. Nearly 3,000 electronic games, best games, best bars and dining, newly designed gaming areas, Skyloft gaming area, Oasis gaming area, smoke-free, Great promotions. Get out there uh, this weekend and uh, see the Counting Crows in concert at the Showplace Theater Friday night. You can go out and have a great meal at Chips and Ales or Steak Night at the River Buffet and take in the Counting Crows show at the Showplace Theater. That's Friday night. And then Saturday night, it's the final Summer Beats and Bites show on the uh, Coop Aleworks Beats and Bites stage outdoors at Riverwind with Gary Allen. That will be a heck of a show. All right. Friday night, Counting Crows at the Showplace Theater. Saturday night, Beats and Bites, final summer show with Gary Allen. Get your tickets at Riverwind.com or at the Casino Box Office. And don't forget about Saturday night is the final drawing in the $100,000 New Scene 17 celebration. Get out there. Preliminary drawings are giving away a bunch of money. And also the grand prize winning patrons, there will be five of them, five of them, Named on Saturday night, and they're going to win at least $5,000 each in cash. That's a heck of a deal. But you know what? It's always a heck of a deal at the one and only Riverwind Casino, simply the best. One more segment with Jesse before we get locked in at the top of the hour. Stay with us here on The Ref. We are back, and again, uh, we're going to get locked in. It'll be uh, Tyler and Travis Davidson. Tomorrow out at Cavens Group to see Gary and the crew out there. Duke the Wonder Dog, Amanda, everybody out there. Love being at Cavens. And then Friday, out at my home away from home, Riverwind Casino, as we get ready for a big weekend. Uh, coming up with the Counting Crows on Friday at the Showplace Theater and Gary Allen on the Beats and Bites stage, the Coop Aleworks Beats and Bites stage Saturday night, and the final giveaway for the uh, big promotion they've been running all month for their 17th birthday and uh, that is the $100,000 New Scene 17 celebration on happening this weekend at Riverwind. All right, David Stone making a decision Saturday night. The Grammy committee, wait, let me get the email. All right. <laughs> the email from the regional Grammy committee says, Dear Steelman, you have been nominated for the best mixdown for 30 seconds or less with the David Stone Saturday night special open. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That's a lie. But here it is, Saturday night. This is the uh, David Stone Saturday night special open for you. Mr. Saturday night
David Stone making his decision, S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y-9, around 6 o'clock Oklahoma time. Probably be, we probably will have it by like 6.15. You, uh, were you aware of the Bay City Rollers at any point in your life? Uh, aware, yes. It sounds like your family uh, gave you some good musical knowledge as a kid. Oh yeah, uh, that was. I think that was important for my dad. Even I remember. Dude, was your dad a big vinyl guy? B- uh, big vinyl guy. Nice. I'm, a big, I'm a big vinyl guy. That's oh, how good. I listen to music. Uh, so good. This will date me a little bit, but uh, I remember growing up. My dad. We did this several times. He would do the Wizard of Oz while playing the Dark Side of the Moon. Oh at yeah, the you got to sync it up after the yep. the, lion, the roars lion roars for the second time. I believe. Yeah, it kind of works. It, it's it's pretty great actually. Um, but yeah, I mean the the Beatles again. They just have a you know listening to Rubber Soul and Abbey Road and the White Album. I mean that had such, I, I mean that had such a big impact on me. You know, and uh, it just, I tell you, a, a great record that's well produced, like any Steely Dan album on vinyl, just pops. I mean, it just sounds like that's yeah, Walter Egan and Donald Fagan are right here, right here. That sounds like it, but. Um, so that's cool to know. You got a good musical uh, education in your upbringing. That's impressive that you mentioned Pet Sounds also because probably that would be my one album, even though at the time a lot of the Beach Boys fans, you know, the pop that they had put out there, which is still really good, and nobody sings harmonies like the Beach Boys, right. but they all thought, what is this? It's just a masterpiece. That's all. That's what it is. Okay, uh, 405-651-3439. Worst uniforms ever, the Tennessee Volunteers. You need to have Steely tweet that out. What is he talking about? The uh, And link it to David Stone. That's great. See, here's the deal. David Stone, though, is young and cool, <laughs> and I am old and not cool, so he'd probably be thinking, what the heck is this? I'm going to Miami. And then, you know, who would be in trouble on the text line? Me. Because <laughs> Stone would say, yeah, I was about to go to OU, but then this old man put this music mixed down together, and it was, what was it? So I decided to go to Miami. But thank you. Thank you for saying that, though. I appreciate it. I think that Stone is supposed to commit during halftime. I was told this morning that it's... Brandon Drum said he thought it was going to be around 6 p.m., but I don't know. What time is the kickoff? Do we know? Who knows? We'll find out. All I know is it's the Saturday night special in my book. Okay, uh, we've got about we've got about uh, 90 seconds left. Any other things you want to throw out there that you've seen from practice that people need to know? Do you feel good? Do you feel pretty confident that this team is going to have a bounce back? I, I am. I mean, I think just I, I think I think this team knows. I think this team knows they need to. They've got to perform not only be, you know after last season, but going into the SEC. Uh, I've said for months now that I think this is one of the most important seasons in OU history. Um, and I think you know outside of Texas, I don't think there's any team that has more talent than this team or than OU. Um, I expect I I firmly expect ten wins this season. I firmly expect them to be in the Big Twelve title game. That should be the expectation. Um, and I know it's funny to say that because of last year, but look, a few plays go the other way. We're looking at last season differently. Yeah. I think this team has more talent, more depth than they did last year. Now, but now they've got to get on the field and prove it. That's the key, Jesse. Great job. Always, uh, we love having you on every week. And uh, this is the second time you've come in the studio and sat down uh, with us. And uh, you do a fantastic job. Appreciate you. And uh, you know, you even went you went from a four 
four and a half star, a high four star to a five star with your knowledge of uh, older music. Very impressive. Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider. All right. Connor, great job as usual. Appreciate you. And uh, thanks to our friends at the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center, the new LASIK.com. Dr. B and his staff will be out at Cavens Group tomorrow with Gary and the crew out there. And then Friday at Riverwind Casino, we want to thank uh, Riverwind for all they do for us here at the Ref and on my stream. Friday night, the Counting Crows. Saturday night, Coupe Works Beach and Bite Stage Outdoors at Riverwind. The music of Gary Allen and their big giveaway this weekend on Saturday night. Take care.